We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome back to Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and we are kicking off our first show in quite a while with our 2022-2023 NCAA season preview. If you've been with us for a long time, you might have noticed that we kind of took the summer off. We're going to be transitioning to being a bit more of a college basketball podcast on Unplugged, so focusing on the college season, which is already right around the corner. It's October and the season will be here before we know it. So to kick that off, we are back with our annual season preview episode, two parts, deep diving into a lot of the teams, players that we're going to see this season, some of our thoughts on those ahead of everything tipping off in just a few short weeks. And to do that, I am joined today by Calvin Wetzel from our Her Hoot Sets team. Hey, Calvin, how's it going? I'm good, Megan. How are you doing? Doing good. Excited to be back. Excited to be talking about another NCAA season. I'm not really sure how we're here already, but we are. <laughs> yeah, it's always so, so much fun. This first podcast that we do, it's like, that's when I know like college basketball season is right around the corner. When we do this podcast, it's like my first shift from like WNBA, whatever else I was doing over the summer. Now it's college basketball season. So I'm hyped. Exactly. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to be back. I have taken quite the break this summer. I was trying to find my mic and it was like in the bottom of my bag that I bought to, brought to the final four. So that's, that's how my summer's been. But yeah, excited to be back. I had to turn the heat on today. So you know, that means the college basketball season is getting here. It is officially fall and it is almost right around the corner. I think just over a month out, we're recording this in the beginning of October. You'll hear it a little bit later. So we'll be less than a month out when you're hearing this, but it's very exciting to be back. 
Yeah, I actually turned my heat on today too. So you're right. That's, <laughs> that's another sign. Special the, start. <laughs> exactly. The signs are popping up everywhere. <laughs> well, for those of you that have listened to our preview episodes before, you know we kind of go over a bunch of different things. We try to cover as much as we can in a reasonable amount of time. So we're going to do something similar this year in our, I guess, third. Is it our third annual? I think so. Yeah. Third, fourth. Yeah. Third, if it's fourth, it actually might be the fourth, which is crazy. Anyway, (laughs) here we are. So, yeah, fourth annual preview episode. We're going to run through a bunch of different things all Americans, some teams that we think are underrated and overrated going into the season. Final four picks, of course, which I'm sure will be probably horribly wrong on come actual March, though. I feel like maybe at least one of those teams, I think we probably will both get right and then um, talk about some mid-majors and, of course, what games in that first week of the season we are most excited for as well. So lots on the agenda. So diving into who some of those potential All-American players are this season, I feel like this year is interesting because when you start going back and looking at last year's list of All-Americans, a lot of these players are still in college basketball. So a lot of names on this list are almost a little bit easy to put there because you can kind of assume that some of those same names are going to be back this season, but I think probably some new players to throw on there as well. Uh, always a few things that are going to get interesting, but... Um, to start it off, Calvin, do you have any takes on kind of like first team players? Maybe we could just start from the top of our first teams. I feel like we probably both have one player on the the top of that list. That's a pretty obvious pick. Yeah. Well, I actually (laughs) didn't even go as far to to pick any second or third team. So if you get to that, you're going to put me on a spot here. But with first team, like you said, uh, you just want my top one? Yeah, let's just start. By, there. <laughs> well, yeah, that's pretty boring. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, <laughs> no, no hot takes there. I, I don't know uh, if we've had a bigger lock in quite a while for first team All American. She's uh, obviously the front runner for National Player of the Year again. Uh, team's front runner for the national championship again. So, I don't know, snooze. But <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming you're right there with me. Yeah, exactly. I guess no real excitement there. And no disrespect to the South Carolina fans that we're probably not going to elaborate on that one too much. It's just, I mean, uh, I think actually, it's pretty obvious that Aliyah like, Boss is going to be there. <laughs> high level of respect, actually. She's yes. like so much of a lock that there's like nothing else to say. She's just the best player, like period, full stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not much to say there at all. So yeah, I think that was pretty obvious too. Um, who else do you have on that first team, though? We just go one by one. Yeah, uh, my next couple are, are also like sort of boring, and then and then we get a little bit more interesting. I didn't get anything crazy, I don't think, but uh, I went with Caitlin Clark next. I think she's another one that's pretty close to a lock. Uh, last year it was a big national player of the year debate. Uh, I was on the Elite Boston side of that, uh, as obviously were over fifty percent of people. Um, <laughs> but you know, Caitlin Clark was the, the next best player who had a case, I think. So I think she's right up there um, in the number two spot. Yeah, she's second on my list as well. I think another one that's just kind of a no-brainer. We've seen what she's been able to do for Iowa the last two seasons. I don't expect that to change at all this season. If anything, she's going to be better. So I think another player that's just a very obvious pick that's probably going to land on that first team All-Americans this season. Yeah, no, no question. Who you got third? Haley Jones. So another, I feel like, fairly obvious pick as well I mean, coming out of Stanford. I feel like they really have 
a kind of a one-two in Haley Jones and then Cameron Brake. And I could see maybe if Haley Jones could fall off that first team, if Cameron Brake moves on to it, I, that's really the only way I see Haley Jones not being a lock as a first team All-American, but kind of talking about those two in tandem, I mean, I still think Stanford is going to be one of the best teams in the country and the two of them are going to be the reason why. So I'm pretty confident that at least one of them is going to be a full first team All-American come March. Yeah, I had Haley Jones third as well, so we're we're pretty lockstep here. I actually had Cameron Brink fourth. I do think Stanford has a very good shot at getting two first-team All-Americans. Uh, with Cameron Brink, obviously less of a sure thing than probably those top three. And if I would say if Stanford has one, it's going to be Haley Jones. I could see Brink on the second team maybe. But when you look at Cameron Brink's first two seasons, like she has some remarkable remarkable efficiency numbers, as good as anyone in the country. She just played barely over 20 minutes a game in her first two years, partially due to foul trouble, uh, partially due to, you know, especially her freshman year sort of being a little bit raw still. But really, like, the foul trouble thing is overblown. I think she's averaged 2.8 fouls per game exactly in each of her first two seasons. Why not let her get four fouls a game? Just let her go out there, get 25 to 30 minutes. And I think we're going to see that this year in year three. And the numbers that she's going to put up, if she gets even 25 minutes a game, let alone 30, are going to be eye-popping. So uh, free Cameron Brink. <laughs> I, I've said that before. Um, let's see what she can do with with maybe top two or three minutes on the team. Um, it's incredible. I, I love those players. I think some people know this about me, who block shots and hit threes. That's like my favorite combo in all of basketball. That's who Cameron Brink is uh, at a super high level. So I'm really excited to see what she can do. Uh, and I, I think she has a very good shot at actually cracking that top five. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially because I think Stanford has lost some of their depth with the amount of graduations that they lost last year. And they have to change their look a little bit going into this season. So a natural way to do that is going to be giving Cameron break more minutes. And like you said, she can block shots and she can hit the three. So you can still space the floor with her in a big lineup. So you can have her and Haley Jones and Fran Bolivi out there together if you want to, and it's not going to create too much congestion in the paint. So I do agree. I think we're going to see more from Cameron break this year. And if she gets that time, I would be shocked to see her not be putting up big numbers. That said, I did not have Kim and Brink in my top four. I have her at the top of my second team, just because I do think it's going to be hard for any team to really have two All-Americans this year. Not to say that they couldn't. It's just or this early on, I feel like that's hard to predict. So at four, I have AZ Fudd, which is maybe a little bit of a hot take and just that she's one of these players that wasn't an All-American last year. I think we've got so many returners that a lot of that first team looks like returners. But I think UConn is still going to have a really solid team. And I also think we just haven't seen what AZ Fudd can do at the college level yet. I think we saw it in bursts last year, but she struggled with injuries for most of the season. She's going to have to take a bigger role for the Huskies with Paige Beckers being out. And I think all the hype that she had coming in to the college game still came from somewhere. And that if she's healthy and we see that this season, she could easily end up in that kind of first team All-American type season. Yeah, well, it's not apparently so hot that I, I actually had AZ, AZ Fudd as my fifth. So um, maybe we're both going spicy. I don't know. I, I mean, as you know, I'm extremely UConn biased. You know me. So had to put a UConn player in the top five. But in, in all seriousness, all the points you brought up, I had written down as well. Higher usage, 
Ball is going to be in her hands. Obviously, an incredible talent. And people always talk about this, throw this phrase around in a lot of different sports, like sophomore slump. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, to me, I feel like not just in AZ's case, just in like general sports, I feel like the correct phrase we should be using is sophomore jump because I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like that's the biggest, you know, by the time you get to year four or obviously with COVID and transfers, a lot of people in year five at this point in college basketball, you sort of know what you're going to get from a player. Every once in a while, you see a player take that huge leap, you know, late in their career. But most of the time, I think year two is when you see the biggest improvement year over year. Uh, and we're going to see that with AZ this year, both in terms of just her talent and also obviously opportunity. You have to have both of those go together um, to really kind of make that leap into that first tier, that that top five All-American. I think she's going to have that this year. Yeah, exactly. I think so as well. I would be kind of surprised if she's not in the first or at least second team conversation when we get to March. So I do expect to see that big jump from her. I think that's something that's been true at UConn for a long time too, is players tend to make a big jump between their freshman and sophomore seasons. And I think a player at the caliber of AZ, I think you can expect that. In my fifth spot, I have another actually Big East player, so double Big East players in the top five, but Anissa Morrow coming off a freshman year where she was just a walking double-double. I think she had, it was over 30, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, double-doubles in her freshman season, and like you said, sophomore job, no reason to expect she's going to do anything differently this year. Quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if her numbers are bigger this year just considering what DePaul has lost and that more of that weight is probably going to be on her shoulders to carry that team so I think a player that you're just going to see put up some pretty insane numbers this year that are going to land her first team all-american spot I like that one a lot I think I've, I've told some people this before but uh the thing that just stands out to me about Anissa Morrow is uh, last year, every time there was a player averaging some crazy stat line, and I would I would use the Her Hoop Stats research tool to go in and type, you know, all the filters of who, all, how many people are averaging this stat line that this player is averaging. It was always like without fail. It was the player I looked up and Anissa Morrow. It was like <laughs> these these two players are the only two players in the country averaging whatever it was. Uh, but it was never like this player is the only one averaging X Y Z because it was always Anissa Morrow averaging the same thing like it didn't matter the stat she was in there so I uh, yeah and that, and that was as a freshman at DePaul it's, yeah. it blows my mind so yeah ab absolutely I think she's in that conversation as well second team minimum for me uh, I would have her on my second team but very good shot to if I'm wrong about my first team I think she might be one of the first ones who would make me wrong yeah definitely Right. One more player to mention that maybe not on our, either of our first team list, but I think is definitely going to be kind of in that conversation for first team. Definitely a second team selection this year is Elizabeth Kitley out of Virginia Tech as well. Another player that was an All-American last year. I think Virginia Tech is going to be a really solid team this year. We'll get to more on that later, but I think she's someone that's definitely needs to be in this kind of like conversation as part of that potential first team group. Absolutely. And Virginia Tech, by the way, is going to have maybe their best season ever. So look out for them. Yes. <laughs> well, I think we'll definitely be talking about that at another point <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> yeah, a little, little teaser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can just throw out a few more names if you want for second yeah. team. Someone like Haley Van Lith, maybe be on the radar. Saya yeah. Cook, Monica Sonano, Maddie Segrist. Just, just names that are popping in my head right now. Yeah. Didn't really write down too many notes, but uh, names that I think could be in that conversation for, for second team. 
Yeah, definitely. I also have Olivia Miles on that list, Rory Harmon out of Texas, who coming off of a really strong freshman season. Um, Ashley Jones as well. So a lot of a lot of big names out there that we have kind of seen in that conversation last year that are gonna be a part of the conversation this year as well. Yeah, no, those are three good ones too. Rory Harmon, I think, is another little teaser. I'm gonna talk about her in a little bit. But Olivia <laughs> Miles, by the way, I'm just gonna uh shamelessly plug. I, uh, it's not, it's not out yet. I don't know when we're dropping this podcast. It might be out by then, but I talked to Olivia Miles a couple weeks ago. Uh, we just watched the film together. Uh, and she kind of, you know, broke down, uh, all, all the different reads she's making as a point guard and everything. Like when I tell you, she is an absolute genius, like brilliant off the charts IQ. Like I learned so much just about that game and the sport of basketball from talking about Olivia Miles, uh, from talking to Olivia Miles. So Look out for that uh, at some point. Um, just interview with her and watch her play this year because she is next level. Yeah, I think definitely one of the most exciting players on the list of like players to watch this season. Just especially like what she was able to do in some of Notre Dame's tournament run last year, really throughout the season for Notre Dame last year, making that jump to the next level this coming season, I'm sure. So I'm really excited to see where she can take the Irish team this year. Yeah, a tournament triple-double, I think, right? Correct me yes, if I'm wrong. I, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched her in person against NC State when Notre Dame lost that game, but just really impressive to watch her play in person. So if you have a chance to get out and see her in person this year, would highly recommend that. I hope to. So we're getting into now my favorite section of this podcast, I think, the <laughs> underrated, overrated section, where we talk about teams that we think are underrated, teams we think are overrated. We don't actually officially have an AP poll as we're recording this, so underrated, overrated is in terms of like some of the really easy, really early polls from ESPN or just the general, I think, chatter on the internet so far about a lot of these teams and where people are kind of tending to rank them. Um, I guess no official to be like, oh, this team is ranked 20th and they should be ranked 5th or anything like that, being we don't have an AP poll quite yet, but we'll have that soon. Um, but I think a lot of teams that we can talk about here, and I'm going to start out with one that is probably going to get a few eye rolls for bringing it up as a, a <laughs> underrated team, but I do have UConn on this list, and not from the perspective that like UConn can really be an underrated team with the amount of like attention they get, but because I think people are maybe putting too much emphasis on the Paige Becker's injury there without Paige Beckers for the year. That's obviously a huge blow to this team. I think we were talking about a team that with Beckers would have probably been a 1A, 1B with South Carolina going into the season. I do think that obviously takes a hit to where they're going into going to the season, but it's a team that still has a lot of talent and could, I think, still very well be a Final Four type team. And I think that's where they're getting a little underrated and that they're not maybe necessarily getting that level of respect heading into the season. You still have AZ Fudd. You still have Aaliyah Edwards. You have Caroline Ducharme, who had a great freshman season. They have Aubrey Griffin back from injury. They've got a really solid recruiting class. And I think this is a team that if the players that they need to step up, make the right kind of steps forward, could be a really, really strong team this season. Yeah, well, like you said, it's, uh, you know, without the AP poll, we kind of have to ask ourselves, like, underrated by who or overrated by who? Like, you know, it's not, they're not underrated by the poll yet. Uh, I mean, I don't know if UConn's going to be underrated by ESPN. They will definitely be underrated <laughs> by South Carolina fans. So you can, you have that for sure. Uh, my first one, actually, both my underrated teams are kind of the same theme teams that maybe lost a lot uh, and, 
Well, like you said, UConn loses Paige Beckers, right? Uh, and maybe people are, are going to overrate that impact. And both of mine are teams that, not injury, just based on transfers or graduation, lost a lot. And I think maybe people are going to over overrate uh, overrate the impact of their losses and therefore underrate the team. First one is Maryland. Uh, Maryland obviously had a lot going on this offseason, a lot of transfers. Um, and, you know, that's that's nothing new for them. Uh, they lost Ashley Owusu, Angel Reese, Mimi Collins. That's that's a lot of talent, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Um, it's The team's going to look very different. Um, but, I mean, we like we've seen this before. We had the same conversation when Maryland lost Taylor Mike. So we had the same conversation when Maryland lost Shakira Austin. Uh, and they still just continue to, you know, find ways to be that top 10 caliber program. Uh, I mean, I, they still have Diamond Miller. Sounds like she should be healthy this year. Cheyenne Sellers, I think, is going to be another one of those sophomores we talk about. Sophomore jump, breakout year. Um, and then Lavender Briggs, who they had as a transfer from Florida. She is going to be an absolute baller if you're unfamiliar with her. So they still got a lot uh, on their roster. I mean, Brenda Freeze every year seems to be able to to make up for these these losses with these transfers out of the program. Uh, I mean, it says a lot about her on the court as a coach that she's able to do that. It maybe say it says a lot about her that she has to do that too. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. Probably don't want to get into it, but you can read the reports and the tweets all for yourself. Uh, but all of that stuff aside, just purely from an on court perspective, I still think Maryland has the pieces to be an extremely high level winning basketball program. And I'm not sure if they're going to be ranked as such right away uh, entering the season. Yeah, I'm kind of going to disagree with you here because I just, I don't, like, I think you're right that they did bring in a lot of good pieces to replace what they lost, but I just don't think the pieces that they have brought in really replace the caliber of what they did lose to transfers this season. And I think this is a team that maybe is going to be struggle a little bit more than whatever their preseason ranking is is going to apply i think espn still had them pretty high despite the transfers um in their like way too early top 25 uh, i'm gonna get to a full take on the big 10 in a few minutes but <laughs> i just i it's not a team i'm super high on going into the season i think they're a team that's going to do well in the polls based on name recognition and those names that have, they've brought in early on but i do think it's a team that's going to struggle this year yeah, well, to be fair, you're right that they did not bring in the just level of individual talent that they lost. Um, and I don't know if they'll be quite as good as they were last year. I just think that this is a team that this is, it's a program, not a team. It's a program that is able to sort of make up for um, those lack of or loss of talent sometimes just by the way that they play. And especially, I think, later in the season when you see, you know, maybe in November, they play a really tough schedule and some of those new pieces are trying to gel and uh, they're trying to figure out who they are with the different roster. And we see them drop a couple games, but I think they're going to be right there in that conversation come March um, just because of the way that the way that Brenda Freeze runs this program and, and the way that they play together. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't know if she runs the program actually very well overall, but it's <laughs> on the court she does. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yes. uh, I'll leave it at that. And I, I think to your point about ESPN, I think they're ranked uh, 16, 17, 18. I don't have it in front of me. It was somewhere in that range uh, in the way too early, which uh, was like from June. So it, it was way too early and it's already out of date. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think they're top 10. So to me, if it's, if it's 18, if it's 17, to me, that's going to be too low. Uh, and I think we're going to be looking at that as too low in February. But maybe I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. 
so who knows? I like that we that we're disagreeing on something. Yes. Get a little <laughs> get a little heat going. Yeah, we don't often disagree, I feel like, on this podcast. So no, it's always enough. good to not have enough. something that we disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Some people would say that we agree too much. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, we need we need more we need more of this stuff. More uh, you know, more talk show fodder or whatever it's called. <laughs> Well, yeah, sticking with my theme of disagreeing with you, I'm kind of going to expand that take that I have on Maryland to just the, the Big Ten as a whole. It's just, I, I don't think anyone's that surprised to hear me say this because it's not a conference I'm generally super high on because I don't think that you could win in like the grand scheme of things without playing defense. And that's a favorite trait of some of the <laughs> Big Ten teams. But I just, in general, and this is where people are probably going to think I'm nuts, but I actually think that the Big East could be the better conference at the top than the Big Ten this season, which well, I realize a lot of people are probably like, what on earth are you talking about? You got to define at the top yeah, before you go any further. Yeah. You got to define at the top because obviously UConn is at the top and UConn yeah. can definitely be better than whoever's at the top of the Big Ten. So how deep we going with the top? We going top two, top I, three, top five? I'm talking like top four to five teams. So I just don't right, think like the right. bottom of the Big Ten is going to beat out the bottom of the Big East. Unfortunately, just those teams at the bottom of the Big East have not made the leap that they need to. But I think at the top of the Big Ten, when you're talking about your Maryland's your Iowa, another team that I just think is incredibly overrated. I'm pretty sure they're like six in ESPN's t- early to top, way too early top 25. I know it's outdated. I know it's early, but I would fully expect that they're going to sit somewhere around there when the AP poll comes out. It's, it's, it's just they're not a top six team to me at all. Caitlin Clark is great. Her and Monica Sano together is great, but. You have to play defense and you need more than that to, to, to be a top six team. Um, Indiana, another team that hit took a quite a bit of hits from their team last year, is going to have, I think, a, a climb this year to get back to the level that they were at. I actually think Nebraska is going to be one of the better teams in the, in the Big Ten this year, but still a team that I think is – um, maybe some Big East teams that could be on top of that. And then you've got Ohio State, Michigan, both teams also that have lost a lot. So, um, and then if you compare that to, obviously you have UConn in the Big East, and yes, UConn, I think, could easily be above all of these Big Ten teams. But then you have Creighton that made quite a bit of noise in the NCAA tournament last year. I think some people thought that was a fluke. That was the same Creighton team that was there all year. They just didn't get, I think, a lot of the attention that they should have last year they probably will come into the season ranked nationally i would expect because of that but a team that's just a really really good basketball team that doesn't necessarily get the light of day on national television and maybe got overlooked villanova maddie segrist is going to be one of the top players in the country this year it's a villanova team that hasn't lost a whole lot was pretty young last year i think they're going to be really good and you have Anissa Moore at DePaul. DePaul's got some stuff to figure out as well seaton hall is a program that's consistently pretty decent so I really do think that you could be looking at the top of the Big East being better than the top of the Big Ten this year. All right. All right. At Megan Gower. It's on the screen, <laughs> I think, if, uh, if you're yeah. watching, if we get this clip out. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with where I disagree with you, but you did bring up some good points, so I'll get to that. First off, I'll, I'll just put it this way. I do not think at any point, any week in this season, will the Big East have more ranked teams than the Big Ten. Yes. I'll, I'll define the top. fair. Should I'll... that be the case? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. 
fair, fair. We but... can get into my opinions on the AP poll at a different time. Yeah, but... oh, no, I, I have lots of opinions on the AP poll too, and it's definitely not the best way to measure the top 25 team. Well, all right, let me rephrase it then. You're right, good call out. I also don't think at any point during this year will we see more Big East teams than Big Ten teams in the top 25 of any other metric. Net, which also has a lot of flaws, her hoop stats rating, uh, Massey ratings, whatever you want to go down the list. I don't think there will be a day of the season where more of the top 25 are from the Big East than the Big Ten. That being said, you're right. Creighton is an awesome team. They definitely should and will be ranked preseason top 25. They didn't get nearly enough love last year, all year, until they pulled that big upset. Uh, Villanova is going to be much improved, and they're not going to have to sneak into their tournament this year. They're going to be safely in because of Maddie Segrist. Um, I I just think the Big Ten, uh, you know, well, okay, another another point that you're right on, though, the Big Ten did lose a lot. They lost Nas Hillman. Uh, Indiana lost, what, three or four of their starters uh, from that. The legendary last couple years was two, maybe two of the best years in Indiana history. Uh, they bring back, you know, a few of those pieces, but lost a lot from that team. Nebraska, they're going to be a really good team again, like you said, but they did lose Sam Hybe for the year to injury, which is huge. I hate that for him. It's a big blow. It's still a lot of pieces. Josh Shelley is going to be one of the best players in the Big Ten. And by the way, shout out to Nebraska. They brought in one of the best assistant coaches in the country. Shout out to Jess Keller from Illinois State, uh, who Nebraska hired. <laughs> Moving up in the world. Uh, so... Obviously, I'm going to be a big Cornhusker fan for as long as she's there. I already was. Uh, but you're right. The Big Ten lost a lot. Big East has some some underrated teams, I think, uh, from two through five or wherever you want to put it. Uh, just don't know if it's going to be enough. I do think the gap will be a lot smaller than probably it has been in any year um, that, at least in my memory, um, between the top of the Big Ten and the top of the Big East. But to fully be better, that's bold. That's a bold claim. I like it, though. I don't agree with it, but I like I like you going out there. Uh, and I think we should we should clip and record this exact whole <laughs> segment and come back, and one of us will be wrong. Uh, and whichever one of us we can roast on Twitter in February. We'll see. Uh, yep. It might be me. It might be me. I don't know. But uh, I like going out there on a limb. Uh, that's a fun take. I don't know if it's yeah. a correct take. It might be, but yeah. it's a fun take. <laughs> it's definitely a hot take, that's for sure. <laughs> really what it comes down to in my book is, like, I think Bulls have three pretty clear top 25 teams this year. I think in the Big East, you've got UConn, Creighton, Villanova. Those those three should be top 25 teams this year, I think. Maybe people don't agree with me on Villanova, but I think they should be a top 25 I do. team. I do. Yeah. I think they're going to play their way into that spot if they're not there to start off. And then in the Big Ten, I think I was – they're not the number six team in the country, but they'll still be a top 25 team. Maryland is still a top, I don't think they're a top 10 team, but I still think they're a top 25 team. And then I think Nebraska is a top 25 team. I'm not sold that any of those other teams are top 25 teams in the Big Ten. And then I think that's where you start to get, I think they're at a similar level as a DePaul, as a um, Seton Hall, as those other teams in the Big East. So that's that's kind of where that's coming from. All right, well, I'm going to give you a team that if you're wrong, this is going to be why. It's going to be Ohio State. I think okay. Ohio State is going to be ranked preseason, and I think they're going to be ranked all year. Um, and if the top of the Big Ten is better than the top of the Big East, uh, I think it's going to be because Ohio State exceeds your expectations uh, and gives the Big Ten that extra team at the top. Fair, fair. I think that's probably the team I would say is the wild card there because I don't think Indiana and Michigan have enough to replace what they lost to be in that conversation. 
they did lose a lot. That's that's yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, I just said their teams I don't see being great this year, unfortunately. All right. Not Illinois. Gonna... No love for Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> and I think me saying that Illinois is going to be a top twenty-five team is basically the same as me saying like Providence is going to be a top twenty-five team. We're not going to go that crazy. <laughs> oh no, no. Uh... Where I'm, I'm definitely joking with that one. But they did get a new coach. They brought in Shauna Green from Dayton, who's had a lot of success at Dayton. Yes, so yes. we'll see in a few years. Right we'll see in a few years. Yeah. yeah. But uh, year one, though, no, not, not top, not Tony, not top twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, I'll let you give me another one now that I've spent fifteen minutes of my wild hot takes here. <laughs> All right, that was fun. Uh, Megan texted me that she had a crazy take, by the way, like a month ago or whatever it was, uh, and she wouldn't tell me what it was. So I'm glad to finally know I've been on the edge of my seat for a long time. That was that was worth the wait. Um, my other underrated team, though, along the same uh, theme of teams that maybe lost more, lost a lot, and, and people are going to you know overrate that, is Gonzaga. And, of course, also mid-majors are just kind of, at least in my opinion, underrated in general. Um, and then Gonzaga. Um, they, you know, they've been top 15 in the Herb Stats ratings four years in a row. They're always right there, uh, at least borderline in the top 25, getting votes sometimes, maybe ranked, uh, in, you know, in that tournament conversation. Um, but they did lose a lot. They lost four starters, um, and they, they bring back the Trongs, the Twins, uh, you know, everyone's favorite Twins. But... When you look at this team and kind of how they play and how they're composed, it's not a team that is like is that's top heavy that relies on one or two stars. It really hasn't been. So losing four starters for a team like this doesn't feel the same as say losing four starters for a team like Indiana, who we just talked about, who was so reliant on that starting lineup last year and had so much star power in that starting lineup with players like Ali Papper. Uh, Grace Berger, go down the list. Uh, Gonzaga is was so much. I mean, they didn't have anyone average 12 points a game. They had like their whole starting lineup was like eight through 11. So, to me, this is it's another team, it's a program, it's not just a team, it's a program that always finds a way. Uh, like I said, they've been in the top 15 herb stats ratings for four straight years. I don't know why that would change. They add Brenna Maxwell from Utah, power conference talent, obviously from the Pac 12. Um, and I don't think they're going to be ranked uh, preseason because sometimes even when they actually, you know, bring back a lot, they're still not ranked. Uh, and when you lose four starters from a team that was, uh, I forget, an eight or a nine seed last year, they were in that eight, nine game. I don't see anyone ranking them. But to me, it's a mistake to have this team anywhere below 30th. I I definitely think that they have at least a shot at top 25 and if not, should be one of the top teams getting votes. I don't know that they will be. But I think you look at what BYU lost as well. Um, I think Gonzaga is going to be right there at the top of the WCC, right there in the tournament conversation again, and right there where they have been every year for the last four, five, six years. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's one of my that's my other underrated team. Yeah, no, definitely fair. I feel like it's pretty easy to be underrated as a mid-major because they're just always underrated. But yeah, agreed. A team that probably come March, they're going to be an NCAA tournament team and someone you're probably going to be circling on your bracket as upset watch for whoever they're playing. All right. 
have another underrated team as well. I guess, well, I guess my Big Ten take was that the Big Ten is overrated. So we did have one overrated team <laughs> conference as a whole. Uh, but Virginia Tech, not that they are definitely getting some attention coming into the season. They bring back Kitley. They add Ashley Luso, which I think is a huge addition. You've got really, really a big one-two punch there for this team. But I think a team that's going to win the ACC this year. All right. That's that's another that's another bold yeah. one, but I like bold it. I, actually, I like, I like that one better. That's my favorite one so far. I like that one better than the other one. That's a good one. Yeah, I think that, and I also think Notre Dame is not necessarily underrated coming in, but a team that's going to be in the conversation for that ACC title. And this is my favorite section because I usually just used to talk about everything. So also that <laughs> I think that Louisville and NC State are a little bit overrated at the flip side coming in, probably considered the overall favorites to be on at the top of the ACC, but both teams that lost a fair amount. I know that Louisville still has Haley Van Leaf, but I think Emily Engstler was such a big part of what that team did last year, Kiana Smith. So I do think that they're going to have a trouble adjusting as well. So kind of, I think, a little bit of flip in who's on the top of the ACC this year. Yeah, no, I, I love Virginia Tech. I'm all on the bandwagon, so I love that. I don't actually think I would literally pick the number one in the ACC, uh, but I, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they do. They're definitely right there in that top tier, though. And I don't think the ACC has a clear front runner. I think the ACC has a top tier that's all pretty. It's not like South. It's not like the SEC where South is yeah. South Carolina and then who everyone else in like the tier B, <laughs> like tier A is a big group in the ACC. So they definitely could. They're right there with with NC State, who I agree is maybe a little bit overrated. Uh, Louisville, Notre Dame. Uh, I think North Carolina is going to be in that conversation too. Uh, name yeah. we haven't said. Uh, I'll throw them in there. But yeah, I think I think you have a big top tier in Virginia Tech's right there. So I, I love I love the Virginia Tech love. Go Hopes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think an exciting team to watch this year. I don't know. I really wouldn't be surprised if they win the ACC. I actually kind of stand by that take. It's a little bit hot, but I don't think that it's that hot of a take. No, I, I wouldn't be shocked either. <laughs> I, I mean, I would put them, you know, second or third. So in close enough to first that it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. Uh, I have an overrated team. Yeah, okay. I got my two underrated. Uh, <laughs> this is this is one that uh, I've picked against before, and people come at me on Twitter for it before. But I'm gonna gonna go right back to the well. <laughs> uh, Tennessee, I think Tennessee is is a little bit overrated. I uh, picked against them in the tournament the last couple of years. Uh, Tennessee Twitter hates that, so whatever. Uh, th this team this team's great. I get it. Like they brought back a lot of talent. Um, they struck gold in the transfer portal. This team probably did about as well as anyone in the country in the transfer portal. Uh, they're they're going to have, I think, four rotation players come from the transfer portal. So, you know, grain of salt. But I, I keep seeing talk about this team as like top four, top five, like final four caliber. I just don't know if they're there yet. Top 25, like no question. Top 20, maybe top 15, like no question. Right there for second in the SEC in that next tier below South Carolina. Like, no question. But I just don't see it. I don't see it with this team being top four. Like, uh, they haven't been in the top 15 of the Her Hoop Stats ratings since they had Andrea Carter and Isabel Harrison. Like, it's been a long time. Like, this program is not the same program as it was under Pat Summit. This is not like the Candace Parker, the Tamika Catchings, Tennessee program. And, uh, I mean, you're sensing a theme, like all of my overrated, overrated and underrated are sort of just based on like what this program has been for the last five, six, seven years. Uh, 
you know, in college basketball, I mean, it sometimes it changes, but in general, programs are kind of who they are under the same coach, right? And I think Tennessee it, right now under Kelly Harper is a top 25 team. That's kind of who they are. I don't think it's a Final Four team. I think it's a top 25 team. And if they prove me wrong, yeah, everyone come at me. But um, I, I'll believe the Final Four when I see it for this team. Yeah, I think I kind of disagree with you on this one because I think I'm in the camp that they are a top five team this year. And I don't know if this is more about Tennessee or more just my opinion of where everyone else kind of stands at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like I'm not high on many teams this season. Obviously, South Carolina is like their own little tier and like I don't really know who can touch them this year but then I think you look at the rest of it you've got Stanford is in this top tier I still think UConn's in that top group Texas in my opinion is probably a top five team and then I think Tennessee is next I don't know who I put ahead of Tennessee kind of going down that top five all right well as long as we're disagreeing (laughs) I'll uh I'll go on record and say that I would have Iowa over Tennessee which I know, I know you're uh, you're very low on Iowa, and uh, so I wish they played. They don't, I don't yeah, they played. It's like a, I wish they played. We could just settle this on the court. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting conversation because I feel like they're so different teams too. That would just be an interesting very matchup. You've got Iowa that plays no defense, and all they rely on is offense, and then you've got Tennessee, which like their offense definitely struggles from time to time, but they are a really strong defensive program. That always makes for an interesting matchup. <laughs> yeah, well, and the other aspect, too, is that Iowa loves to shoot the three. Obviously, they're very perimeter-oriented, very transition-oriented. And Tennessee loves to grind it out in the paint. They love to get those, you know, rebounds, block shots. They're just – they throw bigs on bigs on bigs at you. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. The contrast in styles that these two teams played would be extremely entertaining. Uh, and regardless of who won, uh, I would I would love to see the matchup. But – if they, if they played right now, neutral floor, uh, I would pick Iowa. I, obviously, you would pick Tennessee. So <laughs> hopefully we get it in the tournament. Maybe we can go back. Yeah. Maybe we see these two teams play in the tournament, and maybe we can maybe we can settle this debate on the court. Yeah, I would love to see that matchup at some point. I'm going to challenge you on it a little bit more, though. Who else would you see being like ahead of Tennessee if you're talking about like top five teams in the country right now? Top five teams? Well, definitely oh, Texas. Yeah. You brought oh, up yeah. Texas. Um, I would put – Louisville up there ahead of Tennessee. Well, in the, the first three you said, sorry, South Carolina, mm-hmm. UConn, Stanford. I think those are, even without Paige Beckers, almost givens yeah. uh, still ahead of Tennessee. I put Louisville ahead of there. I uh, So that's five right there to knock Tennessee out. Um, I agree with you that NC State is a little bit overrated. I think they're going to be ranked up there, but I probably wouldn't have them there. Um, you're putting me on the spot now. I got to look I up. know. Sorry, I didn't prep you for this one. <laughs> I'm just curious. No. no. <laughs> So, so yeah, that like that's five right there. Uh, but I'd also put Iowa, like I said, ahead of Tennessee. Um, I might have Iowa right around sixth or seventh. I, uh, you know, maybe sixth is a little bit high. I don't think it's as high as what maybe probably you think it is. Uh, but either way, ahead of Tennessee, even if they're seventh or eighth, uh, I'd probably have Iowa State ahead of them, and I think I'd have Notre Dame ahead of Tennessee, just to name a few more. But um, yeah, my, my top five would be, you know, the those top three you said, and then Texas and probably Louisville. So, and I don't think Tennessee is particularly close, in my opinion. Fair. <laughs> I think the ranking should start with a one. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will see on that one. I think that's an interesting, it's going to be an interesting one. I still think they have stuff to figure out on offense. And if they can't figure it out 
I don't know how you beat a Final Four team if you can't score. But I think they have the potential and they have the talent to be the top five type team this year. They have the ceiling. Definitely they mm-hmm. have this, the top five ceiling. I, I just don't think they're going to they're gonna hit it. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Um, what else do I have on my list? I have just like I have like full conference takes. They're not even really underrated, overrated. They're just like things I wanted to say that didn't fit anywhere else. So I'm like, no. <laughs> oh yeah, go <laughs> so for I it. Have, yeah, Oklahoma on my list of teams that are probably a little underrated coming into the season. I think a team that brings back a lot from a pretty solid team last year, but then I also just have this note that it's the year that Baylor finally does not win the Big 12 title, and I feel pretty confident <laughs> on that one, and mostly in that Texas is probably going to win it, but between Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, I think this is the year that Baylor does not win the Big 12 title. No, yeah, I mean, we were having this conversation last year that it might be the year, and it was, they were so so yeah. close. Iowa State was right there. They just, uh, you know, couldn't get over that hump. But you're right. I don't think Baylor's the favorite. I think Texas is the favorite. Uh, Big 12 is just so much better though than it was two years ago. Yes. Some of these new coaches they brought in, even without Ayoka Lee, he's going to miss the the season. Thoughts with her. Kansas State. It's just it's so much of a deeper league, and there's so many more losses on your schedule than there used to be. So I agree with that. I wouldn't pick Baylor to win the Big 12. Yeah, I agree, though. It's been nice to see the Big 12. Big 12 was one of the most fascinating leagues like in the country last season. And I think it's been a long time since we said that. It's kind of been Baylor on an island for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Baylor would have every now and then like one challenger maybe step up. Last year, they had like five. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about Texas and Iowa State. Uh, I mean, Kansas wasn't a challenger at the top of the Big 12, but they made the tournament after, yeah. you know, how many years were they just at the bottom of the Big 12, like doormat and, and now they're like significantly on the upswing. Um, it's a good league. It's a fun league. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun again this year. The Aoka Lee thing is a big blow, but it's I still think bummer. it's going to be a fun, it's such a bummer. But it's still going to be a really good league and worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last thing I have on my list is not even a take, it's just a question. <laughs> This is Pac-12 with a question mark and more just about, like, how do we feel about the Pac-12 this year? Because I don't know how I feel about the Pac-12 this year. I mean, I obviously, we've talked about Stanford. Stanford's going to be great. But the rest of the Pac-12, it feels like it's just a big question mark to me. When you think about, like, the Oregons, the Arizonas, UCLAs of the world, I just, I don't know what to expect from those teams. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think Oregon has a really high ceiling and a uh lowish floor not like a they missed the tournament floor or anything like that but uh they really will need tahina pow pow and sedona prince to to carry a pretty big load i think uh if oregon's going to be a top tier team uh arizona i think is getting to the point where it, it's another one of those programs that i talk about where they're just going to be they're going to be who they are they're going to be like the 20th best team in the country and that's who they are um so maybe, uh, you know, a little bit less of a question mark with them. But then some teams that took a big step last year, I think like Utah came out of obscurity and made the tournament last year. Uh, but then they lost a lot. Um, they lost uh, a couple transfers. Talked about uh, Brennan Maxwell to Gonzaga. And there's another one who uh, I'm going to talk about in a bit. But we'll, we'll see if Utah continues to, if it was kind of a one-off fluke or if they can stay at that level, uh, make the tournament again. Um, so... Yeah, a lot, a lot of question marks in this league. You're right. Um, 
the I don't think Stanford winning is that big of a question mark, though. I think I think because there's so many question marks below them, I think it's Stanford's league again. Yeah, I think it's going to be a kind of a runaway for Stanford. I think we've seen the Pac-12 be one of the more like interesting leagues at the top in the past few seasons, and I feel like we're falling back a little bit away from that this year. And well, of course, like part of the Pac-12 is leaving after. Is it after this year that UCLA and USC move? Oh, uh, I don't can't remember. Know. It's either this year <laughs> or next year. I can't. Rem- yeah, I mean, I can't keep you all track of all that stuff. Yeah, conferences are getting crazy. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, honestly, I was just trying to find a way to bring up UCLA, as everyone I'm sure has figured <laughs> out. <laughs> and didn't really have any place to put this on this list. I'm like too hesitant uh, now to be like, oh, they're going to be good because they've just struggled so much <laughs> of injuries over the last few years. But I still do think it's a roster that has a lot of talent. That's probably, I'll say this, I think they're a roster that's getting like no respect as a potential top 25 program this year at this point. And I do think they... I don't think they're going to be a highly ranked team, but I think they have like a ceiling that is like near the bottom of the top 25 could be a top 25 team this season. Yeah. no, well, they definitely have that ceiling. <laughs> I love, I'm, pic- <laughs> I'm picturing you like going through all your notes and all the questions and you get to the end and like, didn't put UCLA anywhere. Wait, where can I put them? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is my catch all section. I just, if I'm like, if I can't fit it anywhere else, I'm just like, well, we're going to find a way to talk about it in this <laughs> section. <laughs> Megan's sections are like Final Four, All Americans, Overrated, Underrated, and UCLA. Those are like the, the categories of, of topics that we need to cover. Yes. <laughs> uh, before we move on from the Pac 12, though, just another team that I think is going to be in the mix, uh, not with Stanford, but in the mix in terms of making the tournament and maybe in that two through six or whatever. Uh, however big that next group is, is Washington State. Charlie Ledger Walker has been just like a, a stud for them the last couple of years. And, and obviously she's going to be carrying that team again. So really, really excited to see what they can do. Uh, they've, they've come on strong. Kami Etheridge done a great job there. Um, and I think I think they're going to be another tournament team. Yeah, I agree. I think this league is lacking like the top 25 talent to some extent beyond Stanford, but I do think it still has a lot of tournament teams in it. Yeah. This league screams to me like they're going to have half of the 7, 10, and the 8, 9 matchups. All all of those matchups are – Pac-12 is going to have, like, a ton of teams that lose in the second round of the tournament to to a one seed. Yep. Yep. I I would fully agree with that. that. (laughs) They've got a lot of concentration in that area. Yep. Yep. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thanks again for listening. Make sure wherever you're listening to us, make sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast, whether that be on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Also, make sure you're subscribing to the stats site over at herhoopstats.com. It's just $20 a year to subscribe, and we have all of your needs covered for both NCAA and WNBA stats. And subscribe to our free newsletter as well on Substack to get all of our best content directly to your inbox. Also be sure you are following us on social media at her hoop stats on all platforms. Thanks again for listening.